What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? With your boy, the unstoppable, the inexorable, Mike C-Rock. And today I have another guest that, that fits that mold as well. Unstoppable. I'm excited to bring this next guest to you. And be- before I do that, I want to share the, you know, my gratitude with you as the audience. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for the support that you've given me and my show. And please stay engaged because my point, my intention for you is to elevate when you're around me. I want to make sure I elevate people that take the time and, and commitment to engage with my content. And I just want to thank you. So today I have Solomon R.C. Ali. He is called many, by many as a modern renaissance man, which we're going to dig into in a second. With over 35 years of industry experience, Solomon has personally completed over 140 mergers and acquisitions and has raised over $250 million in structured investment capital and financing. He is a self-made billionaire, private equity investor, tech and energy CEO and consultant. He helps his clients reorganize, restructure, and refinance through private equity investment and business consultancy at Solomon RC Ali Corporation. He is also a host of Minority Business Access on Apple Podcasts. Go check that out. Solomon, welcome to the What Are You Made Of show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Looking forward to helping your um, audience um, learn some new things and hopefully very excited. Well, and I thank you for you know taking the time to do this. And I just want to share with you, back in 2019, I had an itch that I needed to share my story. I don't know where it came from. I've had success in business and I just was thinking that I was playing too small of a game and I needed to share my story. So I started a podcast in my dining room. I had no background like this. I didn't even know what the equipment I needed. I just did it. And I had this intention of sharing the stories and the ingredients that have gone into making my guests. And I had no idea how to even get a guest on my show back then. And so two short years, I've come to the situation where I have people reaching out to come on my show instead of me chasing them. And it's just an honor. And I just want to you know, let you know that this is a short journey, but you are fulfilling part of my mission by being here. So before I get in any further, though, I got to ask you the traditional question that we always start the show with. What are you made of? <laughs> Straight grit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, grit, it's that no quit attitude. Keep fighting, dig in, fight for the next step. It's just grit. Love it. So tell me about where you grew up, how you grew up, what's going into making you? Well, what's going into making me? Of course, my um, beautiful and great parents. But I grew up originally or starting out the first 10 years of my life in um, South Central Los Angeles. After that, I grew up in a little place called West Covina, California. And so, and then after that, I went into the military. And as an adult, I did a lot of traveling. So that's kind of what shaped me. Played a lot of sports, been a part of a lot of different teams. So you kind of get the feel of being in a community or working with a team of achieving a goal and what it means to achieve a goal and not to let other people down when you know that they're depending on you. 
So when you say that, I would ask the question, because it says in the bio, self-made billionaire, and you might not even have written this. So, But would you agree that it was a team-made billionaire oh, based on what you just said? I would say this. The team makes me look real good. <laughs> I, I do very little to make myself uh, do anything. They make me look really, really good because they go out and dot all the I's and they cross all the T's. You know, when you get to a certain place, you're looking at it from 30,000 feet up. And so you're giving normally a really large, big picture to your team. And you're trusting that they will be able to execute and get things done in the manner that you want. But you're able, because of your own experience of having to do it, okay, I, I grew my businesses trial by error. And so you trust them to do what they are supposed to, but you also from time to time spot check. And you know when it's off, because when you built something from the scratch, from scratch up, you have a gut instinct to know when someone's BSing you, when things are not moving along fast enough, things of that nature. And you normally, after a five-minute conversation, can figure out why. And that blows my team's um, head. It's mind-boggling to them that I can do that. But it's because I've done every single aspect of this business. Yeah. So uh, when you first started, well, let's go back a little ways. When you were, you, when you were a youngster and growing up with your parents, you know, the belief systems that they instilled upon you and, you know, did, like, did they have money back then? Or what? Tell um, me about your parents. Well, you know, my parents were pretty cool. I had a, uh, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. And when we moved from South Central, we, I wouldn't say we had a lot of money because I primarily grew up in a predominantly white area in um, West Covina. And, but we didn't lack for anything. My brother and I, we didn't lack. We got everything, you know, football camps, wrestling camps, track camp. We got to do all the things everyone else did. But they made sacrifices in other areas, which I didn't realize until I was a, about 40 years old. It was like, oh, wow, okay. And sometimes we don't realize what our parents actually do for us. Yeah, that's so true until we have to experience it, right? <laughs> you know? And so what I see a lot, and I experience this personally, and I see a lot of people going through this, is that the limiting beliefs of, of the past generations have held them down. And they allow that to happen. What, what allowed you to bust open lids well, and become, you know, continue to have success at different levels? I'm going to say first what was innate in me and then what was instilled by my parents. Whatever you do, be the best at it and work hard at it and be very diligent. Okay. And you can make a lot of money and be successful. But then playing sports just reinforced that. Being a part of a team, whether it was the baseball team I was on, whether it was um, the football team or the track team or the basketball team or the gymnastics team, all these sports I played, it was all about team and community and not quitting. You know, you get tired in practice, you have to keep practicing, right? Someone makes a mistake, we all have to run together. So you, you learn to depend on each other. I remember after um, every game, how exhausted I would be and having a slight concussion. But before every game, I was so nervous and I was always nervous. And I had been playing football since Pop Warner, but I was so nervous until that whistle blew. Once that whistle blew, I was no longer nervous. Mm. All I did was went out and did my job as a wide receiver and catch that ball. And if I had to go across the middle, I knew I was going to get hit. I just didn't want to drop the ball. And that's the same approach I take in business. 
I know the companies that we invest in depend on us. The businesses that we're trying to help scale and grow, they depend on us. They depend on the strategies, the experience, and things of that nature that I have gone through to help grow their business. And so I don't want to let them down. And I know the people that I choose to work with, they understand that same philosophy of being a part of a team or being a part of a community where we all going to put our shoulder together and get there. Not that it's easy because it's not easy. It's hard. It's hard as crap. But when you put your shoulder to it and you're working with like-minded people who are willing to do the work, okay, you'll get there. And so you did a lot of things by trial and error, right? And you learned on the way. How much easier would it have been if somebody would have gave you the blueprint and all you had to do is apply your grit, like just resilience and and effort to steps? Oh my God. It, It would have been incredible. It would have been totally incredible. Yes. I did everything by stumble, bumble, and figured it out. <laughs> okay. And still got there, though. Then, nonetheless, still got there. But yeah, but it took 35 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it would have been so sweet to have been able to bring a consultant in. But you know, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. I'm thinking, oh, I can't afford that. I got to do it myself. And so I was wrong. It, if I would have brought a consultant in who was top of their field, who was an expert in their field, then we could have achieved this a lot um, faster. Who had a network, then I could have paired into their network and been a part of that, and my business would have grew and been a little bit more stable. You know, we think it's cheaper to start a business from scratch. It's not. It's harder. It's harder and it's more expensive because we never think about the things that we have to give up. And one of the things that you have to give up is financial security because now all of a sudden you have no income. Sometimes it's cheaper just to go buy a job or buy a business, which is what I call buying a job. Buy a business and then add whatever service that you just came up with or whatever um, product that you came up with to that existing business and grow that existing business from there. See, a lot of people love real estate, right? Real estate is great until you lose it. And how do you lose real estate is because you can't afford to debt service it. And it doesn't matter what your LTVs are. Your LTVs could be 40, 50%. If you can't service it, you're going to lose it. Yep. So, but businesses grow a lot faster than real estate. And most people don't realize that. Now, sometimes commercial real estate is the exception to the rule because there's always an exception to the rule. And I love commercial real estate. But businesses grow a lot faster than typically real estate does. And if you bought a business, that gives you the ability to buy real estate and do some other things that might be more exciting, buy the car you want, things like that. But look, at the end of the day, business is business. You don't have to lie. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to steal. You have to do the work. The reason most people take those shortcuts where they tell untruths is because they can't do the work. They don't know what the work looks like. And they're afraid that someone won't do business with them. So they tell an untruth rather than saying, hey, I don't know, but I'll go figure it out. Or I have a network that I can depend on and we'll go figure it out and I'll get the answer and my community will help you to get there. And that makes all the difference in the world when you're being a part of the team. 
So it's uh, all the story that you tell yourself, right? I mean, you, you mentioned this earlier when you're, you're talking to someone on your team and you have a vision laid out and they're not executing. You, can, you pick it up in the five minutes because you can tell the story that they're telling themselves. Yes. It's, and it's a story that they feel like they can live with, right? right. <laughs> yeah, I love that, man. It's 100% true. Now, how important has in growing your businesses and getting to where you are now, I have a formula that I talk about a lot. My coach and I talk about a lot is that low tolerance equals high performance. High tolerance equals low performance. Okay. So how, how is the level of tolerance that you uh, allow for affected where you are today? Well, that's a real tough one for us, for me. Let me explain and say it this way. Be slow to hire, quick to fire. Be slow to hire, quick to fire. But when you hire people and you, you got to trust them to be able to do what you ask them to do, there's always a learning curve. I don't care how much of experience they have. You know, they could have came in my industry. You could come from Bain Capital. Great. But now there's still a learning curve over here. Yes. From an RCLE corporation. There's a learning curve. There's some things that you have to learn because we do it a little bit differently because our journey was different. Okay. And so, you know, Mitt Romney, he had a different journey. My journey is different than his was. So um, you can't bring what you may have had at Bain Capital over here. Or if you were the CFO, and I do have the um, CFO from Boeing, if you were that CFO um, at Boeing, they did it a little different than how Solomon Ali Corporation and how we do in grow businesses and things of that nature. You know, so it all depends, but I'm willing to be patient with them. I'm willing to give them and to trust them because I am making an investment in them as they are also making an investment in the company and into the community itself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love it. So when's the last time you felt like quitting and still push through anyway? Oh, man. I don't know when the last time was because that was many years ago, but I can tell you about some times that I did want to quit. I can tell you about Yeah, that. yeah. In 2006 or seven, where I wanted to take my own life because I had lost a um, hundred and something million dollars. It was like, okay, I'm never going to make that back. Here it is. I'm a black man in my early, early 40s at that time. Don't have a traditional college degree and things like that. Everything was stumble, bumble, and I figured it out after um, 30 something years. So it was like, wow, turned around, made five times or approximately five times or more than that back and like 36 months, and which was totally awesome. But then I'll say, <laughs> turn around and you, you manage and work with some CEOs, and it's like, Hey, I don't know how Warren Buffett does this <laughs> or how right. his team does. Because sometimes CEOs, that they have their own vision, but sometimes they go off the beaten path and you're like, whoa, where, where are you going? You know, we, we, we got something to do here. You said this and, you know, just trying to hold them accountable. And so you're trying to hold very high level people accountable to doing what they said they would do. And you understand how important it is, not only for their companies, but for the monies that, and resources that you have placed into their companies. So our job is, we look at it different. We want your company to grow. We probably want it to grow more than you want it to grow. Mm-hmm. We want to be a part of that growth and that development. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. 
That's mikecroc.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. And so how do you set the expectations properly when you start to work with a CEO and get permission from them to hold them accountable to the level that you're going to hold them accountable to? Oh, great. Great question. Great. We start with the due diligence. First, we look at a company and we do our due diligence. We have to see, hey, how do you fit within management? Okay. And once we know that, then we pretty much pare it on down. And here's what I'm talking about. Five top top five companies in their industry. I'm going to look at the management teams. The management team, we're going to see and give you a grade. Your management team, how do they compare with that top five? What type of monies are you planning on reinvesting back into your business? Then we look at, can your company grow by triple digit? Now, I'm the only guy out there talking about growing a business by triple digit. <laughs> Most people say grow it by double digit. But the thing I've learned of being a man of color and understanding life is this. Things happen. I was going to use another word, but shit, shit, shit happens. I'll say it. <laughs> shit happens. Okay. Um, and it throws things off. And it always happens. It, whether it's a medical emergency, a family member, or money gets funny, or the economy, whatever, something is always going to happen. And so you have to aim higher and be expecting and hoping to get there. But if you fall short, that's great too, because you still outpaced everyone else. And the last thing is the industry itself have to have the potential to grow by at least three to 5% year after year for at least five years, okay? So that means that there is at least enough room for you to be able to come in and grab up some market share. When management can show that they can do that, and that's all revealed in the due diligence, then they give us certain performance of how they think they can grow their business and what it takes to grow their business. And then we create performance indicators for that and tie them to what they said they can do. Now, if they tell us they can grow by acquisitions, 10 companies a year, we'll sit back and pare that back down and say, okay, we think you can grow by four acquisitions a year. And so we, whatever that number is that they give us in forecast and things, we always cut it back down yep. because we understand just uh, about people. What, what do they tell you? They give you the dream. And then when the reality comes, it never met, matches the dream. It's like, oh, wow. And I understand by having to be that person that stumble bumble, guess what? There's so many doors that they can't even see that will have to be open. They can only see that door right in front of them. Yeah. Know that there's five other doors behind that door and what, what's going to take place and how they need to move. I understand that. So I'm just able to see a little further down the road than they're actually able to see. So I typically take it to the end and then bring it back to current. But we use the performance indicators. Gotcha. And then you hold them to it. Now, what is one CEO that's, that you've worked with that stuck out in your mind that blew you away from when they initially told you things and then they, they far exceeded it? Does somebody stick out when I say that? Oh, man. That far exceeded? I haven't I had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> How about somebody that's been the, the best so far? Who, who would, you don't even have to say their name, but I mean, if you think of somebody and describe them, like, but we had a CEO that we worked with. He was super cool. He was about 36 and all he wanted to do was grow his business. 
He he didn't get caught in the minutia. Everything he said he would do, he did. He didn't always do it great, but he always did it. And it, he was a joy and a pleasure to work with. You know, again, you have to work with one people you like. It's, again, I'm going to refer back to also being on a team, anyone's team, right? If you're on a team and you have a quarterback and you don't want to block for him or you don't want to catch the ball for him, then you guys are not going to win any games. And yep. same way being in the community. So when you're all on the team and you have the same common goal and everyone's willing to put in the same kind of work, I mean, he would call me at three in the morning and I answered the phone and he was shocked. He thought he would be leaving me a message. And it was like, and we would talk for a half hour or an hour and it, it went on, but we achieved the goals. We absolutely achieved the goals. You know, so the exciting thing was like two-way audio video communication, right? Mm-hmm. People didn't believe that we had that intellectual property. And they come to find out all the companies such as Ring had to license that from us and all the big security companies, things like that. Heath, Heath Cove. And so it was like Axis and everybody was like, oh, wow, where did you guys come from? And we just kept our heads down and we just kept doing the work, kept doing the work. You know, Rain was always our competition. We knew they existed and they knew we existed, but we just didn't have a Richard Branson. We only had a Solomon Ali. <laughs> so that was a big difference. <laughs> so it was like, oh, my God. But I told everyone, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let's play where we can play. They're trying to develop a camera. They're doing great and wonderful things. Let them do that piece. And let us focus on the intellectual property and let us do that piece well, which goes back to something that my parents taught me and also learned in the military. Do what you do well. And so we focused on that. We focused on developing out our portfolio. We focused. And all of a sudden now, they became known for, oh, having a camera. Everybody knows the rain camera, right? Yep, yep. They don't know us, but rain camera had to license it all from us. And so did all the other companies out there. And so that was really cool to be able to realize, oh, wow, you know, this stuff really works if you just keep um, pushing and pushing and not give up. Two more questions, because I respect your time and I appreciate you being here. One. If you had to do it again and you lost everything, which I don't wish on everyone, but I just want to know, if it happened again, what would be the first few things that you would do? The first few things I would do is hire um, a bunch of consultants, put them around me and and pick a target. And And how big would the target be? Oh, probably about 100, 200 million. We'll scale it up very quickly, probably to a few billion. Right now, we do Solomon R.C. Ali Corporation. We do companies between three and a half million up to 20 million, and then we help them to scale. So if it's, let's say, a $5 million company, we try to help them to scale to a 50 million. If it's a $20 million um, company, we try to help them scale to 100, 200 million. So that's what we try to do currently. And it's very exciting because it's like, okay, we help investors. You know, the fun thing about investors is everybody want to know how to make money. But again, everybody doesn't know what to do. And so I got tired of people asking me, not in a negative way. I just didn't know it was a thing that people needed to know because it's like, hey, I learned it. So I had to go to four different places. So I said, well, let me show them what I'm doing. And from there, they can do it. And so we developed something called Solomon's Picks. 
And with Solomon's Picks, you know, we have a company that if you look at right now, it's up 68% in four weeks. And that's pretty phenomenal. And it's like, but we put 200 hours of research and everything into it to determine, hey, what is it going to do and why is it going to do it? And it pretty much just follows our principles. I have four principles. And one is about management. One is about, hey, reinvesting money in the company. The other is about triple-digit growth. And the other is about the industry growth. And those are real basic things that I follow, but there's more to it. There's probably about another 15 things that we attach to that. But those are the basics. If they can pass that muster within the first couple hours, then we're like, okay, we're interested because we know the rest we could tweak. And so what is the one thing right now, if you were to say, this is the final question here, one thing that you have your target set on right now, your, your site set on right now, that has you lit up about the future? Well, you know, it's just uh, where we are in the economy. All right. We went through COVID, right? Everyone now knows we survived COVID. All right. So it was really cool for everyone to have all this time off. But now employers are having a tough time getting people to come back to work, right? Real tough time. But people don't understand employers have been retooling. If you go back to 2008, we started retooling even before then. But when we had the recession, employers didn't bring everyone back because they automated their plants and things of that nature. They started using artificial intelligence to basically make everything where they didn't use it, need as much human capital. Now, after COVID, they've taken it to the next level and they're realizing, oh, wow, we don't really need all this office space. We can really, truly use artificial intelligence and the social media and things of that nature to continue to grow our businesses and keep accountability. But what they realize in addition to that is I'd rather have a gig worker than an employee. And it's simple arithmetic. A gig worker is going to be a subcontractor or someone like that. They're going to get paid a little bit differently. And an employee, I'm going to get rid of the taxes. I'm going to get rid of the insurances, the workers' comps. I'm going to get rid of the um, lack of uh, attrition uh, rate. I'm going to get rid of all of that, or at least a good majority of that. So my profits are going to go up, which are going to benefit my shareholders or my investors or stakeholders, however you want to um, determine that. So that's what everyone's looking at. And so, you know, I'm working with a young lady, and you know her, and she has a little project called Genius Key. And mm-hmm. it's going to be freaking huge. Yes, it is. Freaking huge. And I don't just say that. I say that because of this. Think of where we are in society. So you have someone who has the right service right now at the right time in history. Now, by the economy, we're going from employer, employee to a uh, I guess we'll call it a subcontractor type of um, relationship. Now, to be able to match people up for an employer to sit there and say, oh, to use something like Genius Key to match up the people that they need to do the work and get it done in record time. Oh, my God, that's phenomenal. And And, and, And be able to see the future with it, right? Like the way uh, it's phenomenal. So it's like, wait a minute. That's going to be the way our society is run. You know, we all know we got headhunters out there. We got staffing companies, uh, little small employment agencies, obsolete. 
they're going to become obsolete. They're going to be just like blockbusters was when they had the opportunity to buy Netflix and they did not. Netflix is here. Blockbusters are gone. You heard of this company called Amazon, right? Company called Barnes and Noble also had a chance to buy them. Mm -hmm. Noble shrunk and Amazon is this big, huge company. So sometimes you got to be able to be the first in and get excited about where we are in history. And nobody could see, oh, Amazon started out just trying to sell some books. That was it. Now they sell everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I see Genius Key. It's like this thing is really exciting. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, this is amazing. Right place at the right time in history. And the gig employees or gig workers are ready. In fact, they're not just ready, they're demanding. And me being an employer and working with companies and CEOs, what are we always trying to do is cut the bottom line, right? Yep, yep. We're, I mean, well, we're trying to increase the bottom line. And grow the top line. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let me say that right. <laughs> I don't want them to get it wrong. Yeah. But yeah, we're always trying to increase our bottom line. And so that means you get rid of as much fat as you possibly can. So if I got 10 employees and I can go down to one or two and use intelligence and everything of that nature, and that's what like genius key brain, and I can get the right person to do the job, who wants to do the job, who's in aid in them, that's what they love to do. I'm going to get a better product or service. I'm going to get it on time. And the founder is, you talk about grit and uh, the attitude and the, what it takes. I mean, forget about it. So, <laughs> so hey, look, uh, I asked you the question, Solomon. One thing was uh, if you had the steps to achieve it back in the day. And that's what I went through when myself personally. And I created this. I just got into tech in the, over the last year. And we created a platform called Blueprinted. And it is for specifically to provide the steps to people in all different areas and verticals and industries for what they want to accomplish. And then they would just go in and follow the steps. They could get coaching with it if they needed to, but they have the blueprint laid out for them. And that's not anywhere listed. There's courses and all that. This isn't a course. This is steps, actionable steps to build and create something. And I'm fired up about it. I don't even know what the heck I'm doing half the time when I'm getting into tech, but like you said, I'm just going, you know? And uh, so- Amelia and I have been talking about this, and then she's just a phenomenal person, like I said. And uh, we're all on to something, man. And we're gonna we're gonna make a huge impact and splash. And I look forward to developing a relationship with you, sir. Well, likewise. Thank you so much for having me on your show, and I hope the information I shared was a help to your audience. Yeah, it was great, man. Thank you so much. And you guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of show with your boy, the Unstoppable, Inexorable Mike C Rock, and of course, I brought on another one, another Unstoppable for Salman R C Ali. Go give them some love. Where's the best place for people to engage with you on Instagram or something? Or? Well, they can go on Instagram, Facebook, um, and go to our um, website. Um, if they're looking for investment um, advice, hey, go to Solomon's Picks. And if you're looking for, we developed a new platform because got tired of people paying $1,500, $1,600 to do their due diligence. So if you want to do it like the big boys, we give everything to you in real time. Go to Ignite. Ignite is really cool. And the reason I say it's really cool, if you're a person that look like me, and when I started, I would have said, oh, I don't have 200 and something bucks to pay. But I would have definitely known I didn't have about $1,600 to pay. And so we basically give everything. So if you're a private company, you might think, oh, well, I don't really do a lot of investing. But as a private company, you need to know what's going on in your industry. 
You need to know what your competition is doing. It should be a tool that you are utilizing every month just to figure out, hey, what are the other management teams doing? What's going on within the industry? People, you got to know that if you're going to be in business. And that's, is that Ignite.com or what, what is that? Um, it, go to my uh, website, SolomonRCLE.com, and you should be able to click right on to um, Ignite. And okay. Up there, but if you're a business, you got to know what the other, what your competition is doing. Love it, love it. Well, thank you for watching, guys. Thank you. Keep coming back, and until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of. Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no k.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.